everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Last week, we looked at 32 plus ways uh, to experience koinonia. And uh, you're like, I'm glad I didn't show up to church last week. Uh, it didn't sound like two-hour sermon like, it, you, know, like you think it is. It wasn't. It was, it was 32 plus individual people that came together in this church in Rome uh, that, that, that made radical change. I mean, these 32 plus people uh, that were in this church in Rome, I mean, they, 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 were, they carried Paul, they gave Paul, they empowered Paul to do what Paul could do, you know, and, 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 and impact so many people um, around the Mediterranean Rim. They're responsible for beginning, you know, planting new churches. Uh, they're responsible to, uh, of overturning, you know, Roman authority and Ro- Roman government, even to this day that Rome is considered a, a Christian city, a Christian, you know, uh, area. And so um, how did that happen? That happened because of koinonia. It happened because of community. It happened because people, individual people came together with one common purpose, okay? So today, we're going to stay in Romans. We're going to stay in Romans, and we're going to look at a couple practical things for us that we can do in order for us to, to live this out, to live this out, this koinonia out, okay? So what I say is, when in Romans, do as the Romans do. Okay, that's what we're going to do. When in Romans, we're going to do as the Romans do, okay? So um, Romans uh, 12 says this. We're going to look at Romans 12, spend a lot of time there. It says this, Paul, Paul again, writing this letter. Um, Tertius is actually writing the letter, and, and, and Paul is, is, is telling him what to write. And then Paul eventually hands it off to Phoebe, and then Phoebe goes to, to Rome, uh, and, and she gets there, and she begins to read off what, what it is that you know, God's word wants to say, wants to communicate to the church. And so here's what it says. Uh, and once they get to, uh, they didn't have chapters and verses then, but uh, once they got to this section of the letter, it says, for just as we have many parts in one body, and all the bodies parts do not have the same function. Verse 5, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another, okay? And so the, the picture that the Apostle Paul is giving us is that, we, you know, we're, we're many um, and we're individuals, but we're many. So we're, we're part of one body. And so maybe an illustration of that is like, you know, maybe like a car parts, right? All right. So all of us, we, in, or, in order for us to all get to where we need to go in our journey, right? All of us play a part in that. All of us play a part in that. Each, each one of us have a role, have a part to play. You're, you're just as important as anybody else. No one in this room, no one in this room is more important than, any, than each, uh, any, the person you know, sitting next to you or behind you. All of us have a part to play. All of us are important in, in that role. It's just like a team, okay? It's a team. All of, we're on a team, okay? This is not a, you know, a, a you know, solo sport, right? You know, this is not you know, an individual effort here. All of us, is, for us to advance our mission, in order for us to get to where we need to go when it comes to you know, sharing the love of Jesus to our community, 
is that we all need to come together. All of us play a part in that. All of us have a role to share. We're, we're a team. Another example of that is, is that, is here, here's what it says. This is my, my loaf of bread, okay? This is my loaf of bread. So it says this, Paul says it in, in 1 Corinthians. He says, since there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf, okay? So, like, the point is, is that here's, here's our loaf, right? And you have a part in that, okay? You are a, a loaf of that, uh, in, in that uh, a piece of bread in this loaf. That's what you are. And now, you, you are part of something bigger than yourself, though, Right? Okay, you're, you're part of something bigger than yourself. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the butt, right? So, so, but maybe I'm the butt. So let's just say this is me and then this is you, okay? And there's a couple butts. I'm not going to call out who the second one is, but... Um, <laughs> But all of us are a part, right? We all play a part in the loaf. And so that's what Paul is saying here. He's like, listen, you're important. You matter. You matter. And, and Paul would use analogies like the body, you know, use the body. Some are noses, some are ears, right? Some are tongues, some are, you know, some are toes, some are, all of us, you know, have different functions, like the body functions in different ways. All of us function. All of us have our thing that we are, who we, what we do, what we contribute, um, but it, what, what all all of us are needed and necessary when it comes to the working of the body. Peter described him like a building, described us like a building. He says, we're like, if you look on the side walls, you can see like all the individual bricks, you know, that, that form the walls, right? And he says that you are like, he, he describes us as living stones, living stones. We're, we're, we're all part of this grand, beautiful building that God is building up, building up, building up, building up, but we're all a part of it. We're all, we all matter, okay? So what God had in mind when it came to community was God had in mind family. He had in mind family. God was, is, is looking to having a family. Does God need a family? No, but he, God wanted to have a family. And so he's, he's provided for us through his son Jesus an opportunity for us to no longer be identified as sinners, but to be identified as sons and daughters. That's the mission of God. That's the redemption plan of God is that we become a part of a family. We're many, but he wants to create one family unit. We're, we, have, we have multiple parts, multiple gifts, multiple talents, multiple experiences, multiple insights and, and frame, uh, framework, but ultimately God's saying, I want us to have all of us be one family. That's the way that God wants us to function in that way. And so Romans says this. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, in brotherly love. So in other words, koinonia is sharing within a family household. Koinonia is sharing within a family household. The way that if you're a, a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, the way that we see each other and a way that we ought to see each other anyways is as brothers and sisters. 
That's the way that we should see each other. That's the way that we should go about this life. And so he said, listen, I want you to see yourself in that way. If he, he says to the church in Ephesus, he says, so then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are a fellow citizen with the saints and are of God's household. So you're no longer a stranger, no longer a foreigner, but now you're a citizen with saints. So that's your identity point, okay? Your, your identity point inside of the household of God is you're no longer a sinner. You are considered to be a saint. You're like, I don't act like a saint. I act more like a sinner. But if you put your faith in Jesus, that's the way that he sees you. That's the way that your heavenly father sees you. He sees you as a saint and you are in God's household. You're in God's household. Okay. Here's the, here's the, here's some facts. I have four children. They act like sinners more than they act like saints. But I love them anyways because they're mine, right? They're in my household. They're in my household, okay? That's the way that God sees you, okay? He also says this to the church in Galatia. So then, while we have opportunity, let's do good to all people and especially to those who, of, who are of the household of the faith. He says, you, we should go, do good to all people if there's opportunity to do that, but especially when it comes to those who are of the household of faith. Why? Because we're brothers and sisters. Yeah. That's why. Jesus set this up in this, in this way. So Jesus begins to really see and to teach us how relationships are going to change within the, the, the new covenant. Here's what Jesus says. Here's a, a little story that takes place in, in Matthew's gospel and also in Mark's gospel. He says, while he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers, okay, plural, Okay, Jesus wasn't the only child. Jesus had brothers and Jesus had sisters, okay? So I don't know if that blows up a little bit of your Catholic world. I'm sorry about that, um, but we're just gonna go with what the Bible says, okay? Okay, no offense to any Catholics, no offense, no offense. It's just what the Bible says, okay? So his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him, okay? Verse 47, someone said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. So obviously somebody's seen that Jesus isn't really moving quick enough. Like when mom and brothers are outside wanting to speak to you, um, at least for me in my household, you better get moving. You better get moving. And so Jesus wasn't moving. He was still speaking to the crowd. And they're like, and some, somebody's going, Jesus, your mom is outside. And your mother... Mary, you know her. She wants to talk to you. Look what Jesus responds. But Jesus replied to the one who was telling him and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then the guy's probably going, the lady outside yelling <laughs> for you to come and speak to her. And she's got some, what look like your brother's. And Jesus replies, and extending his hand towards his disciples, behold, my mother and my brothers. And then he says this, for whoever does the will of my father and who is in heaven, he is my brother 
and sister and mother. In other words, those who do my will, those who are in my story, those who are called saints and sons and daughters, those are my family. That's my family. So in Koinonia, Koinonia within a family household is about sharing. It's about sharing. That's the idea of koinonia. Koinonia within a family household is sharing. Similar to your household, it's about sharing in relationships. It's it's being known and knowing, right? That's relationship. It's being known. It's they know you, right? Your family. My family, I'll just use my family. My family knows me, okay? There's a lot of, hopefully not too much, but there's probably a good amount of things that you don't know about me that this section right here knows about me. And maybe if you knew what they know, you would go, I ain't coming back here anymore, but it's about relationships. It's about, it's about being known. They know me and I know them. That's koinonia household relationships. It's about relationship and it's about you knowing the person behind you or three rows back for you. It's you knowing them and they know you. That's the kind of relationship that Jesus is implying. These are my brothers. These are my sisters because they know me and I know them. It's about sharing resources. It's about sharing resources. I know in my household, uh, there's resources that need to be shared, right? Uh, there's products that need to be shared. Uh, my kids share rooms. That's ugly, that's messy. Okay, talk about messy relationships, okay? My girls share a room, my boys share a room, and it ain't pretty some days. It ain't pretty. But that's about sharing resources. Um, my uh, son, Nathan, is now driving, okay? Beware, watch out, just let him leave, and then you leave today, okay? Just let him drive off. No, so one night, this is a true story, this just happened, not like last week, or maybe this week, this week, um, it's after 11 o'clock. He comes home from somewhere about 9 o'clock. It's after 11 o'clock, and I look out the window, and I see the car lights on. And I'm thinking, that dork left the lights on again. No, it was worse than that. He left the car running. <laughs> I walk out. It's pouring rain, and the car is running. Ron and Kathy, did you look out your window and notice that our car was running? Carol or Reba, is anybody here? The car was running for over two hours. I had to go and turn off the car and bring in the keys. The next morning, I was like, here's how it works. You park the car, you turn it off, and you bring in the keys. That's the steps of this. He passed driver's training. I have no idea. I have no clue. I gotta, we got to look into this stuff. The point is, the point is, beware with him on the road. And most importantly, we share resources. We share resources. This is how it works within a family dynamic. We share, we share you know, food resources. We share things. Uh, the, third, the third thing is we share responsibilities. 
We share responsibilities. Again, the church, the body of Christ, the loaf of bread, we all, for this to work, for this to work, it can't, it can't just be one but. It can't work. If it's just one but, it's not going to work. It has to be. All, all, of us, all of us have to function and share in the responsibilities together, okay? All right, I got to keep moving, okay? So there's two, two household rules that we're going to give today. Not 32. Are you happy about this? I only got two. I only got two, okay? So there's two households. Household rule number one. Here's what Romans says, because when in Romans do as the Romans do. Household rule number one, give preference to one another in honor. Give preference to one another in honor. The word, the, the word honor means this, to demonstrate high respect or great value for someone. To demonstrate high respect or great value for someone. So the Bible says that there's some specific things or people that we should honor, okay? So first, we honor God, right? No, of course, right? We honor God. We honor God with our lives. Another Bible says about honoring somebody, we honor our spouse. We honor our spouse. Another, uh, some other verses, I don't have time to get into all the verses, but they're there. Um, Honor parents. You know this one, right? Honor your father and your mother, right? And then even Paul says in his letter to the church in Ephesus, this one comes with a promise, This one comes with a promise that you will go be well in your days, that your days will go well when you honor your parents. Are you listening over here? You honor (laughs) your parents, okay? Here's another one that the Bible says. Honor preachers. I have a verse for that one. I'm going to show you the verse for that one. 1 Timothy 5, 7, C says, The elders, a pastor, who lead well are to be considered worthy of double honor. <laughs> Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. You're like, yeah, thanks. Listen, I'll, I'll just take a single honor. Don't worry. Don't worry. My gift to you. Just a single honor. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No. For, here's what, so like, okay, so God, uh, spouse, parents, preachers, that's it? Like that, no, 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 no. Peter sums it up. He, here's what Peter says. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the king. Ooh, I wish I had more time to get into that. Or president, whoever that is. Oh, boy. It's another sermon for another time. But we honor. These are who we honor. Okay? Okay? So the verse says that we are to give preference. Can you go to the next? So the verse says that we're to give preference to one another in honor. Give preference. Um, that word, that phrase gives preference, and you can find it, uh, this word in other versions of your of Bibles. It means to outdo, to outdo. Now, this is when I perk up because I'm very competitive. 
There's not a lot of things that I don't want to just try and outdo you when it comes to competition. Okay? I'm very, when it, whether it's like sports, I want to win. I want to win. I want to win. It doesn't matter what it is. Sports or rock, paper, scissors. I want to destroy you. Like, I, 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 I want to win. I, it, my kids, when we, we, we play Monopoly, and they're like, do you go easy on them? No! I never go easy on my kids. My kids have walked away from the Monopoly table in tears, and me just throwing their money up in the air and collecting all of their hotels. And my kids begging me for just another $100. And I say, sure, but I'm just going to take that from you too. I'm competitive. So in competition, here's what you already know. Are you ready for this? This is going to blow your mind though. In competition, first wins. I, this is why I deserve a double honor because of this outstanding preaching concepts that I'm giving you right now, right? In competition, first wins. Did you know that? Did you know? Oh, good, 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 good. So, but here's, here's what you probably already know too. In koinonia competition, last wins. Last wins. Jesus would say the greatest of all is the servant of all. You want to be first in the kingdom? You become least. In koinonia competition, last wins. In other words, in, in submission competition, the person who can outdo honoring others wins. So household rule number one, you honor one another and how you win in that is by outdoing your submission to them. It is what Paul said to the church in Philippi of the mindset that Jesus had that you put one another before yourself. They are first and you are last. It's the person who can outdo honoring others. They're the one who wins. In, in the world, in our culture, you are honored when you are first. In the church family, in the kingdom mindset, in the way of Jesus, honor goes to the loser. Honor goes to the loser. It's a household rule. And you apply it with your relationships, in your home, with your spouse, your kids, your classmates, your coworkers. If you're a son or a daughter of Jesus, you and I are told to give preference to one another in honor. You honor God, you honor your parents, you honor your spouse, 
and you double honor your pastor. <laughs> you don't have to. I'm good. Because you know what we're going to do? Because I'm so competitive. I'm just going to keep trying to honor you. And you're going to try to honor me. And I'm going to try to outdo you. You see, you see what happens here? And so you honor me. I'm going to go, no, I'm going to honor you. No, you honor me. And I'm going to go, no, I'm going to honor you. And eventually, I'm going to lose. <laughs> but really, I won. You get it? Are you with me? It's a submission competition. You put you first. No, you first. No, you first. No, you first. You first. Just go. And they go. And you won. But really, you lost. But you won. Is this confusing? I hope not. I hope not. Okay. I hope not. Household rule number two. Here's what it says in verse 13 in Romans 12. Contributing to the needs of the saints, which is those who are in Christ. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. It's your identity point. Practicing hospitality. Practicing hospitality. You know how you get good at hospitality? You practice. Do you need time to write that down? Do you need time? Okay. No, no kidding. No kidding, right? You practice, you, you have to work at it. How you get good at something, how you excel at something, how you achieve something, you have to practice it. You have to practice it. Now, for me, it's hard for me. I'll be honest with you. So here I'm trying to get you to know me, okay? That's it, hard for me. Now, I have to do this. You know why I have to do this? Because it's part of the prerequisite as a pastor, did you know that? Do you know that when there's a list of what an elder is supposed to be or a pastor is supposed to be, do you know that what is on that list out of like six or seven things is that the pastor is, is supposed to be hospitable. The pastor is supposed to be hospitable. And so um, that's a part of, part of the, the, the requirement. But for me, that's hard for me. You know why? Because I'm an introvert. And not only am I an introvert, which is, this is, which is almost like comical that I'm standing before you right now, because like as an introvert, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted after things like this, like any social functions, like <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm, I go home and I just want to go into a dark room and cover myself over a blanket and cry myself to sleep. Like that's how introverted I am. I'm kidding a little bit. And so I, I'm also, so when it comes to hospitality, so it's not my natural inclination. It's not something that I, I, I want to, to try to do or to try to practice because of how I am, though it's a requirement for me as a pastor. But I'm also a clean, neat freak. And so I don't really want anybody to come over to my house. And if you do, you better take off your shoes because... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sort of. Okay. So I have to do it, but I'm an introvert and I'm a bit of a neat freak. Okay. So you can see my dilemma that I am. Now, others are not like that. Like my wife, like, like she comes home from a social event and it's just like, like talk, 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 talk. And I'm just, and she's just why she's just like energized. She's like pumped about coming home from a social function and being around other people that are not teenagers. Right. <clears throat> 
And so this is how, how it works with, with all of us. But, but here's, here's, the, here's the household rule. The household rule is we practice hospitality. And God knows how, who you are. God knows how he made you. God knows how he created you. But he doesn't, it doesn't, he doesn't say, well, unless you're a neat freak because you don't like to have people over and like keep things organized. Or unless you're an introvert, you know, because I get it, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, be around people and all that stuff. He doesn't do that. He says, if you're those things, you just have to really continue to keep practicing. Because you're just not as far as along as maybe somebody that's a little bit more natural doing it. Uh, Hebrew, the Hebrew writer says this. Let love of the brothers and sisters continue. Then he says this. Do not neglect hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. You're like, what does that mean? I have no idea. I don't have no, I have no idea. But here's, here's what the Hebrew writer says. It's, it's possible. You know why the Hebrew writer said it was possible? Because Abraham entertained, it, entertained a couple angels and Jesus. And he didn't know it. He invited three men into his tent. And come to find out later, it was Jesus and two angels. So the Hebrew writer's like, well, Abraham had some angels that he entertained, and maybe you will as well. But here's what it's probably indicating, okay? It also could be an actual angel, okay? But here's what it's probably indicating. An angel means a messenger. It means a messenger. And so what, ha- what he's saying is this, is that don't neglect hospitality to strangers because you could, you could bring somebody in as a messenger to you. In other words, somebody could come that you are entertaining and you are showing hospitality. You know, and in hospitality, you can be the host or you could be the guest. You could be the host or you could be the guest. Jesus didn't have a house to invite people over to. So you know what Jesus did commonly? Jesus invited himself over to their house. That's what he did. And so he would go to their house as a guest, but he would also be the host and the guest. But he ultimately, what he was doing was he was just exhibiting hospitality. He was exhibiting hospitality. So he says, listen, don't neglect this. Don't neglect this like you neglect going to the dentist. Anybody have that problem? I do. I do. I went to the dentist a few weeks ago, and the, and the, 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 the hygienist girl was like, how long has it been since you've been here? You know, because she's like bringing out the, you know, like getting all the crud off my teeth, you know, and I'm like, it's been a minute, you know, and she's like, I, you know, I could go look at the records of when that last time you've been here. I'm like, don't do that, you know, like, what happened? And then they, after I'm done, they're like, they give me a laundry list of things that have to be done to my teeth, you know, and it's like, $3,000 later, you know, this is what you need. And if you don't do it immediately, you're going to have more problems. I'm like, ah, you know. So listen, here's what happens when you, you and I neglect things. They decay. Things get worse. Things become harder to manage. 
And you and I, household rule number two, you and I are called to hospitality. Don't neglect that. And just like I want to miss an appointment to a doctor or a dentist or whoever, don't miss an appointment to meet an angel. Because an angel could be somebody that is a, gives a message to you. And the message could be, as long as it's biblical, as long as it's in line with the truth, the message could be something of encouragement to you that you need to hear. I, I can't tell you how many times I've walked away from being you know, in a hospitality kind of environment, and I've walked away, and some angel, they were actual person, which, by the way, hold on one second. Is there any angels in the room? Oh, good. There you go. Okay, good, good. Some angel gave me a message that was just hopeful, inspiring, encouraging, and just what I needed in that moment. Listen, God doesn't just want to speak to you right here in this moment. God wants to bring you around people and God's going to put an angel in that dynamic, in that environment, and they're going to speak something beautiful and encouraging and comforting, just what you need in that moment. Listen, don't miss that appointment. Don't neglect hospitality. Peter says it this way, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. What does he say next? Be hospitable to one another without complaint. They see your face when they're walking up towards you. They see you when they're like, hmm, hey. They see it. They see that moment, that, that little split second moment of face that you make when you're like, oh, I don't really want to talk to this person right now. And Peter's going, listen, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Without complaining. Without complaining. So this week, this week, so let me just, sorry, let me back up. Last Sunday, last Sunday, we honored an amazing lady um, for, for her birthday. And this, her name is Peggy. She's sitting right here, okay? And we had cupcakes for her, so we honored her for her birthday. So Miss Peggy is also very competitive. And so she wanted to try to out-honor me and my family by bringing over to our house a meal. And let me just tell you this. She won. <laughs> Actually, she lost, but you know what I'm talking about. So she comes over. I'm gone picking up my daughter, Sarah, from volleyball practice. Katie's home. She was at the hospital with her dad most of the day, so she was laying down. And the least compassionate person that she could have come across was my son, Nathan, who answered the door for her. 
So she brings in hands, and we have to give Nathan instructions. Miss Peggy's coming. She's going to give you a hand you the meal. You say thank you. You say, I appreciate this. We had to give Nathan instructions on how to do this. He's 16. He leaves cars running. That's just the way that it goes. So, first of all, I don't get permission to say these things about my kids, but I did get permission to tell the story, ask for permission to tell the story uh, about Peggy. So, apparently, Peggy drops off the food, and she leaves, walks out of my house, and she misses the step, and she falls, and she hits her head. And at this point, I'm still picking up my daughter, Sarah, and my son, Nathan, calls me and says, Dad, hurry up. Miss Peggy fell, and she cracked her head open. These are his words. I said, you're kidding. He goes, Dad, I wish I was. <laughs> I wish I was. He said, get here. So, so Katie calls me. She says, I'm taking Peggy to the ER. So, so Peggy goes to the ER, okay? And because you go to a hospital, the reason why you go to the hospital is because people, this is going to blow your mind again, okay? Ready for this? Because you go to the hospital for people that are not well to start to get well. Did you get that? You go to the hospital for people that are not well to get well. As a matter of fact, that's where the word hospitality comes from, it, it, you, where we get the word hospitable. Hospital. I should say it that way. Say it right. Why? So Peggy, we, should we take her to the hospital? She, I'm telling you, she literally bled for her hospitality. Not only does she out honor us, but she exhibited so much hospitality that we had to take her to the hospital. Because of her sacrifice of hospitality that she committed and demonstrated. Now, is that what we want for you? No. But this is an example of saying, you know what? I want to put somebody else before myself and I want to honor them. And the way that I honor them is I want to show and I'm just going to bring a meal of hospitality to them. And so what Peter is saying is this. Be a hospital that handles each complaint with compassion and care. Be a hospital that handles each complaint with compassion and care. And so the concept is this, is, is you ever, maybe in your household, you get down to the last, you know, few pieces of bread, right? And it's like, normally, at least it is in my household, it's like normally like, who can get to the last two pieces without getting stuck with the butt of the bread, right? So honor, honor is, when you get down to the last few, honor is, you have them. You have them. You have them. And I'll just put my PB&J on this piece. That's honor. Hospitality is, so honor is, here's the last couple pieces. You have them. Hospitality is, let's, let's come together and let's break bread with one another. 
Whether I'm the host or I'm the guest, it doesn't matter. It's about coming around a table together and being known and getting to know someone else. Why? Because they are your brother and they are your sister. And as you come together and you have relationship and you get to know one another, then you start to figure out how can we share resources with one another? How can we share responsibilities with one another? How can we just live out these two household rules of honoring one another and showing hospitality to one another? And it's being hospitable and it's being a hospital that handles each complaint with compassion and care because the church should be like a hospital where people are welcome who are unwell to come in and to not stay in that unwell state, but to get well. This is the body of Christ that Jesus has called us together with. This is the one loaf or the loaf of bread that we all have a slice in it. This is what he's called us to. Let's be a hospital. Who doesn't complain, oh, that person, oh, that person's not like me, oh, they look like that, look at how they dress, how they act, look at how they think. Let's be a place that handles all of that with compassion and care. So honor, honor and hospitality, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And that sermon was worth a double honor. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, you call us into your family. Lord, you make a family, different race, social, economic status, gender, you name it. All the distinctions and all the differences, Lord, we have one purpose in mind, and that is that we're joined and united and we're set free from sin and death because of your son Jesus who brings us all into this koinonia, this intimate spiritual relationship of community. And we're the body of Christ. We're the living stones being built up into one house. We're the one loaf of bread, but each one has a different slice in relationship, in responsibility, in resource, in love, in honor, in hospitality. So Father, I pray that we're a people that honor all people. We honor all people. And I pray that we're a people who are like a hospital, that anyone without grumbling or complaining or aggravation can come and they can sense and feel and get compassion and care and kindness from us so that they don't stay where they're at in their position but they can grow and mature and become more like you and we just help and aid in that process together because we need that we all need that 
And so, Father, I just pray that that's who we are. And I pray, Lord, that we begin that process through our empower groups that we have starting up this week. God, I pray, Lord, that every single person in this room goes and checks out an opportunity for them to get plugged into one so that they can begin to really be, understand what it looks like to be a part of a ch the church. That, Lord, it's not just about coming on a Sunday morning. It's, it's bigger than that. There's so much more to loving one another, to one anothering one another in this process and to applying the honoring giving preference into outdoing each other, to put it into practice, hospitality. Whether we show up as a host or show up as a guest, Lord, we're just, we're just being Jesus. We're being Jesus. And I thank you for that. I thank you for these household rules that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.